1: All right, right now, let's get to the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com. Connor Rogers, who works over at PFF on their NFL Stock Exchange program, is also with NBC Sports, as a draft analyst, joins us now. Connor, you were talking a lot recently about the commanders and how they can fix their issues moving forward, so we wanted to get you on. Uh, Let's start at the top of the draft, though. At number two overall, What do you think happens at number one? And if you were Washington at number two, what would you be rooting for? Well,
2: that's the golden question right now, right, guys, is the fact that what are ultimately the Bears going to do with the uh, decision between moving forward with Justin Fields, and that's just step one, because if you do move forward with him, you have the option of taking Marvin Harrison Jr. for him, the best player in this draft. At number one, you have the idea of, trading out of the pick, which is something obviously Ryan Poles has shown in recent history he's not afraid to do, and getting a haul of picks. Uh, So there's just a lot of different variables on the table. And to be quite honest with you, I would doubt that the Bears have fully made up their mind yet because this is the kind of process that the coaching staff, assuming that coaching staff's back, right, see how many layers there are here. It's really insane when you look at where this track starts and how it impacts everyone else the coaches need to go into it and decide are we going to grade out the quarterbacks in this upcoming draft uh, ceiling-wise higher than what we see and what we have in Justin Fields. And then obviously extension talks trickle down into this as well, what he's looking for would be looking for eventually as well. So with the commanders, though, it still makes them easy to evaluate because at the end of the day the most likely scenario is that a quarterback is selected ahead of them at number one, and that's far from the end of the world because, In my opinion, there are four potential franchise quarterbacks in this draft between Caleb Williams, obviously Drake May right behind him, and then you have Michael Penix and Jaden Daniels, who have just been tremendous this year, honestly. And they're all so different, and that's what makes this so fun. So the Commanders, I think if you're a Commanders fan, you could start to zone in on that if you're picking number two in this draft, you are going to be resetting your franchise with a new front office, a new coaching staff, and that's going to come – with the allure of being able to draft your own franchise quarterback and build around him the way that they envision.
3: Connor, the essential question, I I think, and this is what I think a lot of Washington fans are scared of, sometimes the guy at the top of the board is Joe Burrow. Sometimes the guy at the top of the board is Blake Bortles and and Johnny Manziel. Sometimes the class isn't that good. How do these guys compare year over year to some of the other top-of-the-draft-board
2: quarterbacks? pretty highly I, I wouldn't go as far as Burrow for any for any of them, honestly, I think Burrow coming out was just so polished in what he was able to do as a processor, a, a playmaker, and his ability to I mean he ran one of the best college offenses we've ever seen at a pretty high rate now, the thing is as going back to them all being so different but also talented, I mean these guys are up there. you could look at drake may and you can make an argument that he's just as talented maybe as a justin herbert was coming out tools wise i look at caleb williams and you know over the summer when he was like kind of locked in as this no-brainer number one pick a lot of people like to cling to mahomes like comparisons because of his ability out of structure i think that was a little rich for me but i think at a minimum he gives you uh some kyler murray type passing ability where he's just this magician out of the pocket and, and creating and resetting the pocket and throwing the ball down the field. And um, I think that once you get him playing consistently more in structure at a faster pace, and he's such a young player that you believe he'll be able to do that, you know, that his feeling is so drastically high. I mean, these guys have legitimate top eight to 10 quarterback ceilings And then you get to Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix, who, you know, the commanders are probably looking at the two I just talked about. But if you do get to this point, Jaden Daniels is an electric runner. I mean, he's the, the most electric running quarterback in the draft that was able to operate the vertical game as well because they had two first-round wide receivers in that offense and Malik Nabors and Brian, Brian Thomas, Jr. And then everybody finally got to see Michael Penix in the college football uh, semifinal. I mean, he, in my opinion, is the, the most pro-ready of any of them because what he's able to see pre-snap and how he's able to react to it post-snap with a, a howitzer of an arm. I mean, an arm that challenges every single level of the field from the pocket. It's phenomenal. He doesn't move as well as the other three guys, and ultimately his medical history combined with that will probably have him be the fourth quarterback off the board, but that doesn't mean he won't be a top 10 to 12 pick in this draft as well. So a little bit of uh, what's your flavor for a lot of scouts and coaches with this quarterback class, but all of them, in my opinion, have franchise quarterback starting talent within them.
1: So two quick hitters then on, on the top of the board at quarterback. The first is, what is the chance that Drake May goes 1-1, that the team that trades up takes him instead of Caleb Williams?
2: I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all. I was actually kind of floored by this looking at it, I believe, last week at NBC. We were doing our futures bets of the week. And, you know, Caleb Williams is priced at almost minus 450 to be the number one overall pick. That's not off the board, but there's literally no value in there. They're they're telling you that they think he's the lock. And from people I talk to in this industry all the time, that's – it's not the case. I'm not going to call it a pick 'em, right, where it's flip a coin between these two, but I think Drake May is a legitimate, uh, you know, second guy or a candidate to go first overall because all it takes is these teams sitting down with them at the NFL Combine and liking one guy better than the other. I don't think the talent scale, there's a big enough gap between the two of them that the overall vibe with the guy and personality of the guy and what you're asking him to do and how he takes the coaching – can't make up enough of this so I I think it's actually really really close and you know you bring up a great point if the Bears decide to auction off this pick well that completely flips the script because what if a team just loves the running of Jaden Daniels what if a team loves the makeup of Drake May then when we were sold for so long that Caleb Williams is this number one no doubter first overall pick that can get flipped upside down sometimes and not that that would be a bad thing for the commanders, because Caleb Williams' talent, I mean, obviously the, there's a the local aspect for him in that too, but the talent it, it within him, I mean, he could be a legitimate difference maker at a position that you could really count on one hand how many guys in the league are individual difference makers at that position.
1: Connor Rogers, NBC, PFF, with us on Grant and Danny. We're live at Rudy's Golf on 106.7 The Fan. So the other thing about <clears throat> quarterback then would be a trade back. So – a couple of different ways to, to do this, but you could take it where you want. I guess, number one, what would you think about quarterback-starved Washington sitting it to in this class and not taking Williams or May? But then also, if they wanted to, to take Daniels or Penix, how far back could you go and still maybe end up with one of those guys? Like, it's one thing if you could trade back to 15 and get a, a boatload, but I get the sense maybe you could miss out at that point. So what do you think about some of those yeah. things?
2: I think you're right. I think it's, it's always weighing how far back can you go. And as we get closer and closer to it, you know, to this draft, the reality is you can't go far back at all. I mean, whether the Bears take one at number one or not, you feel like a, a quarterback comes off the board with that pick. And then who's coming up to Washington, right? Like, does Washington need confirmation that that team is coming up for Marvin Harrison Jr.? Before they allow a team in, or does a team come up for a quarterback? And Washington just graded all four of these guys out pretty much the same. If they would try to get some value, then you assumingly have a New England team. Arizona could let a team come up for a quarterback. I know the Giants are doing homework on quarterback as well. So, man, you're really looking at maybe being able to flip back two to three spots, and you'd still be sweating it a little bit uh, because you don't want to play yourself, right? You want to. You don't want to be sitting there in the draft and go. Wow, say say we loved Michael Penix and from everything we've gathered he's gonna be the fourth quarterback off the board. Well, that's great because then maybe you can get back a an extra one in the future or whatever it may be to flip back a couple of spots in this draft, but then, Oh wow. We weren't bracing for the giants because of that Daniel Jones money on the books for next year to take their next quarterback of the future at number five. We're shocked by this. Now we're scrambling and we're going into next year with, you know, Sam Howell again, which I think Sam Howell did a lot of good things this year, but I think you'd feel much more excited with one of the top passers in this draft. And then you're taking a wide receiver or a tackle. So yeah, it's a fine line, and and one that I think honestly, a lot of quarterback needy teams in the top five are not going to be willing to tiptoe upcoming to this draft.
3: So, Connor, this is not going to be a very well phrased question. So please bear with me. See if you can like <laughs> interpret my, uh, uh, you know, almost like a foreign language here. Washington has done this thing forever, where they a guy will do one thing in one place, and they go, we'll take him, and then have him do something totally different, right? I mean, it's like it's the it's the hallmark of a of a bad organization to me. Is there somebody I'm thinking about a quarterback in this draft? where a team might do that, where they go, I like this guy, and then have him do something that he doesn't do very well? In other words, is there something that Caleb Williams shouldn't be doing, some kind of system, some kind of system for Drake May that wouldn't be effective, etc.? Like, any concern there that limits what kind of uh,
2: offense you want to run? Well, why I have optimism for Washington is you can go, now they have new, new ownership, that's number one, and you go into this process thinking, uh, and this is what we said a lot on Stock Exchange this week, is that, you could really staple your hire to this pick, right? I can't emphasize this enough. I'm not one of those people that thinks every team needs to hire an offensive-minded head coach and it's just that cut and dried. Washington is a team that because of this valuable asset they've played themselves into with a top two pick in this draft that we're all assuming is a high-end quarterback prospect really needs to staple the next head coach to that player because – Say you nailed the offensive coordinator hire with a defensive mind. Well, what if that guy leaves in a year or two, right? So, I mean, we've seen that even with Brian Dable and Josh Allen and uh, and other examples around the league. So you go out and get a head coach, and you understand his philosophies, and you believe in him, and then he's going to go into this process with the new front office that he already might be aligned with. A lot of guys get into organizations and come in as pairs, as GM and head coach. And then your philosophy is going to pair with how you evaluate these guys. So – there's always room for error, and there's always things to mess up. But, I mean, sometimes it could be as simple as this. Like, you look at a Jaden Daniels, that's going to be an offense that the quarterback run game is going to impact their pass game as well. You look at Michael Penix, where so you're running more of a drop-back offense that is going to ask a lot of him mentally, but not going to ask a lot of improvisation. And when you look at Drake May and Caleb Williams, they're guys that can really do a little bit of both. They're guys that can play out of structure, but you'd like to maximize their talent within structure as well and knowing what they can handle from a mental aspect as rookies is something that you're going to have to figure out during the combine so that's why i can't emphasize enough that washington being on a timeline all at once this offseason can be a very very valuable aspect to their potential turnaround if you have a gm a head coach that's an offensive minded head coach with potentially a franchise quarterback and getting everybody on the same page with the same mindset. I mean, that's how the best franchises in the NFL are able to turn around and have so much success that's sustainable.
1: Well, it's the dream. And it's also somewhat unprecedented that, like, you could have an overhaul at all four of those most critical Mount Rushmore spots in the sport, right? Because you almost never reset ownership. But ownership with a vision executed by GM, head coach, quarterback, kind of all in the correct hierarchy, choosing the one below them, could really be a massively successful way to go, and something that hasn't happened here. They're constantly, you know, chasing their tail because you hire Jay Gruden and he's got to make Griffin work. You know, then you you hire uh, Ron Rivera and he's got to make Haskins work. Uh, it would certainly be welcome to have everyone on the same page, hired kind of at the same time. Connor Rogers of PFF and NBC Sports is with us. You know, you referenced on the uh, stock exchange that you guys did on the Commanders, how you were kind of laying out a blueprint. What did you guys either come up with or think about as it pertains to GM and head coach search and some of the names that might be of interest to them and, and what they might be thinking about this Washington team, a Pro Bowler, Uh, after a year where they could be picking second?
2: Well, you go back to the idea of finding the right offensive mind. Obviously, everybody in this coaching cycle is going to want to talk to a guy like Ben Johnson from the Lions because of the success that they've had, the innovations they've been able to do and, and build a modern pass game and balance it with a power run game, a run game that could also get outside and rip off explosive plays with multiple running backs. So, I mean, everybody's going to be in on Ben Johnson, so you don't want to just limit it to him a dark horse name that I threw out there was Todd Munkin from the Baltimore Ravens because of the vast experience he has. He's a guy that's known for going in, into a structure and saying, okay, this is how we're going to find explosive pass plays in the vertical game uh, while also being able to run the ball down your throat. He's obviously been able to do that with Baltimore. He was the offensive coordinator for all those championship te- the championship teams at Georgia. And he's built back smaller level college programs. He's just somebody that, has coached a lot of football at a lot of different levels and really gets it with players. That's the number one thing I always hear about Munkin. What we could see with him is that he's good from a schematic standpoint offensively, but the player relations on offense is something that's really been a bright spot with him. So uh, there's a lot of different offensive minds around the league that are going to get looks that can really – I mean, obviously Washington, it'll be interesting with Eric Bieniemy already there as well Is he a guy that gets an in-house interview. And then you look at GM and you just always wonder – Do you guys want to come in as pairs or do you go outside the box? I mean, Ed Dodds has been my favorite GM candidate for a couple of years now because when you look at what he's been able to do with the Colts roster and his scouting ability and his scouting resume and now being under Chris Ballard for a long time, he's been a patient guy. He's had GM interviews over the years. He's kind of looking for the right landing spot. Is that an area where Dodds looks at that job and goes, okay, I can – reset here with a franchise quarterback and we also have extra capital on day two that i could round out this offensive line they have a, the most cap space in the nfl effective cap space i mean they can go out and buy a pass rush there's a ton of pass rushers in this free agency class you could build back the edge rush of that defensive line so this to me since harris bought the team and with the resources that they've accumulated Uh, Is an attractive job for a head coach and GM pairing or just linking up two guys that, you know, see eye to eye in full down the road, even if they haven't worked together yet.
3: Connor, I just want to drill down a little bit. Would you say it's more attractive because of almost I don't want to call it a blank slate, but that with that salary cap space, the high picks or is it more? Hey, there's a nice starter kit here with a few tweaks. Where, Where is it closer to in your mind?
2: Uh, for me, just putting on my GM hat, I mean, yeah. you just fall in love with the resources, yeah. right? The fact that if you fail, it's your fault. But you didn't fail because you didn't have the ammo, right? You know, making chicken salad out of chicken, you know what? Like, that's always your biggest fear of taking a job is that, oh, well, thanks. The previous regime went all in, and now I don't have a first-round pick for the next two years. Or all my day-two picks are gone. Or, you know, we have these bloated contracts that are on the books that we're just stuck with, and we have no cap space. I mean, the commanders have the most cap space in the league. They have a top-two pick in a quarterback-filled draft. They have extra day-two capital, where in this – I like the offensive line depth of this draft. What do they need? Offensive line help. They have a number-one wide receiver that is the leader of the team and I think is a very important piece and somebody that you can lean on as a veteran through a transition period. I mean, there's a lot to like, and I don't think the roster is that bad, honestly. That's another thing I go back to. It has holes in key areas, but when you look at the supply – of what's available this offseason, going back to the edge rushers in free agency, going back to the offensive lineman in the draft, it's available there. So if you have the resources and you choose the right guys, then you'd think you'd be able to turn it around as long as you have the right guy making those decisions.
1: Real quick, before we let you go, I want to tap into the draft expertise that you have as well, Connor. They've got two picks in the early second round, right? So let's say they go QB at number two. Uh, and then they come back and they need to address the offensive line. I really like tight end as a possibility there as well. Like what type of – we're a long ways off, but what type of fits might be there? We're talking around pick 40 on the clock a couple times. Could they still get, you know, in this class a starting tackle, you know, pro bowl type guard right away if they were to do that there?
2: Yeah, at that range of the draft you're looking at two guys that are flex guys. And what I mean by flex guys is they played tackle in college – a lot of evaluators like their transition to the inside of the NFL, but you like that they also might be able to hold up at tackle if you're in a pinch. And that's Troy Fontenelle from Washington. He's been the stalwart of their offensive line. He's an incredible player. And then you look at Grant Barton from Duke. He's a little bit in the same exact mold, a guy that will kick inside. I think both those guys are right around in that range. And then you look at some of the depth of this tackle class. You know, you have Patrick Paul. Uh, he's you know a, a gigantic tackle with arms down to the ground from Houston, good pass protector. Jordan Morgan from Arizona, if he didn't tear his ACL last year, he would have been in the NFL already. He goes back. has a great year. He's a good athlete. Uh, he's somebody that also might move inside the guard, but he has such good feet that I'd like to see him get a real shot at tackle. What he could do as a move blocker in the run game is, is pretty special to me. I love the depth of this tackle class, and I like the guy that guys have flexibility, I think, to play inside because – You're going to run into injuries. You're going to run into problems. You might shuffle the deck a different way after free agency. So, yeah, and going back to your point about tight end, you know, Brock Bowers is a superstar in this class. He's going to be a top 12 pick. After that, it's a very complex tight end class in terms of trying to find the sweet spot of when that run begins again. It'll probably be closer towards the end of round three. So we're going to have a really, really big gap of where tight ends go. But the positive side of that is you'll be able to wait and solve that position.
1: Connor, awesome with us, man. Really appreciate the time.
2: Thank you, guys. Have a good
1: one. Great info, good insight, and a good hit from him there on Grant and Danny Live from Rudy's Golf in Kingstown, Alexandria.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.